Hey, good morning, good morning. Good to see you guys today. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for coming to church on Thanksgiving weekend. That's a big deal. Uh, you guys didn't get the snow, but you did get the tail end of the cold front. So I apologize for that because uh, it's always better if it's cold. There might as well be snow, right? Uh, but you got the cold and a little bit of rainy stuff. But you showed up. You guys are the MVPs. As Kevin Durant says, you're the real MVP. Uh, you might not be his mom, but you, you showed up on Thanksgiving weekend. I think it's a big deal. Uh, so give yourself, give your neighbor a hand. Do that. Hey, you showed up to church today. You could be watching reruns of the Macy's Day Parade or, or uh, maybe watching reruns of Arkansas get just whipped. Um, and so I'm from Arkansas, and so I'm a diehard Razorback fan. And it was just not that fun of a weekend. Um, and, but I was thankful for some turkey and pie because it makes everything better. How many of you guys love some pumpkin pie, some apple pie? How many of you guys are pie fans? And this is what I love about pie, especially pumpkin pie, because it's basically a vegetable, so you can eat it before or after or during your dinner, right? Um, it doesn't technically count as a pie because it's got some vegetable in it. And so, uh, but I love Thanksgiving. I love being up here, hanging out with my family, and I love getting to hang out with you guys who I also consider family. And I'm, in this season, you know, we always talk about what we're thankful for. I'm thankful for friends like Jacob and Kristen Howe and uh, thankful for churches like Merch Church and Thankful for this community that I grew up in here in the, in the River Valley. And, man, I've just got so much to be grateful for. How many of you got something to be grateful for in the house today? Come on, someone. You're grateful. And here's what I know. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you're like, man, life's just not good right now. Everyone's got something to be grateful for because God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and paid the price for your sins. So it doesn't matter what you got going on in your life. We all got something to be grateful for this morning. So can we just do this? Can we just take a second and say thank you to God? Come on, church, with everything that you've got. Man, thank you, God. God, you're good. Man, it, God is good, and it's good to be here today. Um, as I was talking with Pastor Jacob about what to share. Uh, he said, man, I just want you to preach on more. And I said, okay, more of what? You know, uh, more time preaching? Do you want me to like, tell the people that they need, you need a 45-minute preaching slot instead of 35? You know, what, what, what are you talking? He said, just more, just a spirit of more in our church. And he was telling me about some of the great things you guys have coming up uh, in the season with the, the new, new potential and the new place to worship and the things that you guys are doing and the progress you've already made with that. Uh, and just how people just keep showing up, more people keep showing up. And as I was thinking about this and, and kind of praying and I was reading my Bible, my daughter was actually in the room with me. She was in her living room and I was at the kitchen table. And she was like on a uh, Julie Andrews like movie marathon. She was watching Sound of Music. Then she went to watch Mary Poppins. And as she was watching Mary Poppins, I was like, Mary Poppins is kind of a more character. She's like a larger than life Everything that she does is more than, than what's expected. And, and I was watching the scene unfold, and I think we got a picture of this where she takes her bag out. You guys, if you've seen the movie Mary Poppins, you've seen this. She takes her bag out, and she just starts pulling stuff out of this bag, right? And so she pulls out a coat rack first. Then she pulls out a plant. Then she pulls out a mirror. And then this last one, oh, that's the plant. Then she pulls out a lampstand that's like six foot tall. And the little boy, he's like underneath, like trying to figure out where is this stuff coming from. The little girl's on top, and she's like opening the bag and sticking her hand in. And it's weird because they can't seem to figure out where this stuff is coming from. How is she doing this? They're poking their head in, looking on top, looking underneath. It doesn't seem to make any sense. And that's because this. The power that Mary Poppins had was actually in her hands, not in the bag. 
Like she, it was not the bag. They kept looking for the bag to be something special, but it, it was just a bag. But Mary Poppins had some sort of like magical abilities. I mean, she flies with an umbrella, people. I mean, come on. Um, and so it appears that the bag itself has no special power, but the person operating the bag has these miraculous abilities. And I think this is similar to our lives, to me and you this morning. Where we may just be bags. We may just be ordinary, normal people. But through the power of Christ inside of us, all of a sudden extraordinary things can happen. I may not be able to do more myself. In fact, you may know me. And if you do, yeah, I got some friends here. Like we coached some Little League baseball together years ago. He knows me behind the scenes. Like you may be thinking, why is this guy preaching? I can tell you what you know about me. I, I probably shouldn't be up here. But through the power of Christ inside of me, I've been able to do some things and be part of things that were greater than myself. And this is kind of what we're seeing in this thing with Mary Poppins here. Something supernatural starts to happen. Paul says this in Galatians. He says, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ living in me. And all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ living inside of us, we become something more. And I think there's a, this great potential inside of everyone in the room today to be something more, to do something more. And all of a sudden, this can happen. As Christians, I believe we're, we're called to be a more than most kind of people. We don't do enough. That's not who we are. We don't do good. That's not who we are as Christians. We aren't normal. Uh, and if you've been ar around some Christians for a while, you know we're not normal, right? We're a little bit weird sometimes. But what happens is we become a more than most. In fact, I would say this. The life of a Christian ought to go beyond that of an unbeliever. Every, in every category, we, there ought to be something more to our lives because of Christ within us. There ought to be a clear, recognizable difference in the way that we think, in the way that we talk, in the way that we act, setting us apart from all other people. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And then Jesus says this part right here that I struggle with. He says this, and they will even do greater works than these. And he says this, uh, the end of this is important. He goes, because I am going to the Father. This is an audacious thought for us as believers. As believers, this is what Christ is telling his disciples, and I believe this is what he's telling us as his church today, that there's a potential for us to do even greater works than he does. And some of you are like, that sounds heretical. And, it, and honestly, it does. How would we possibly ever do even something significant as, as, as Christ has? Individually, through our own power, never, not possible, not in a million years. But together, through the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ living inside of us, I believe this scripture says absolutely. There is a potential for more. And why? This is, this is key right here at the end of the scripture. Why is it important for us to, to, to have this, uh, this, this concept of more for us this morning. And Jesus said this. He goes, because I am going to the Father. And there was a reason that Jesus made this declaration to his disciples. And he, he challenged them with this thought of more. He goes, because I'm not going to always be here. I am going to the Father. He left us with a mission to continue his work. And he entrusted us with his purposes. And if there's ever a more intimidating scripture in the Bible, I, I'd like to see it. 
Because when I read this and I see what Christ has left with us, sometimes that makes me a little bit nervous. God, really? Me? Like you're trusting me to do great things? That there's something more maybe that you want to do in my life or in our life as believers than what we could already see or think or imagine? Christ, like you really are trusting your mission on this earth to us? It's a challenge. It's a big thought. It's a heavy thought. So let's kind of break this down a little bit this morning. We're going to look a lot in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. I'll read a few scriptures here. Jesus teaching again. He says, you have heard it that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That sounds like something our society would say. Sounds pretty common today. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors and lawyers doing that? I got to pick on my friend. He picked on me this morning. <laughs> Don't even the lawyers do that? Come on. Um, he says this, and if you greet only your own people, here's the question for us today. What are you doing more than others. If you only do what is returned, if you only return love for love, if you only return kindness for kindness, if you only return gesture per gesture, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that. And then here's the challenge. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What are you doing more than others? And today I'm just calling the message more than most. And I want to give us a couple of thoughts, I, I believe, that I, I think we'll see in Scripture today. And a lot of them are here in Matthew chapter 5 of what I believe that Christ is calling us to do as far as living a life of more than most. How are we called to be a more than most people? How are we called to be a more than most kind of church? And here's the first thought for you. One, number one, I believe that God has called us to give more than most. I believe that we've been called to give more than most. And so I need to, got some crowd participation today. I need everyone in the room just to hold out your hands like this. Just hold your hands out like this right out in front of you. And open hands, open hands towards the heavens. And this is a prayer that we're praying today. God, everything I have is yours. We want to be a more than most kind of people. I will give you whatever I can and whatever you call me to, God. For your cause, for your kingdom, for this church, we're obedient to the tithe, we're sacrificial in the offering, and what we give more than most. This is the posture that we approach God with. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to go back into this, verses 40 through 42. So we're going to kind of go above where we just were. Matthew 5, 40 through 42. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one miles, give him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus is teaching specifically to this time and this culture. He's telling them if someone comes in and asks you to go one mile, go two. He's talking specifically about the, the Roman rule in Israel in this moment. At this time, the, the Roman government, there was a, a standing law or understood procedure that if a Roman soldier were to approach you 
and to ask you to carry his stuff for one mile, you had no choice as you've been conquered, as Israel had been conquered and was currently being ruled by Rome. You had no choice to deny that or tell him. You couldn't say, hey, I would love to, but I've got a pumpkin pie in the oven. My family's really counting on it. i got to get back home. I just ran to the store to get Cool Whip. I'm sorry. I can't have pumpkin pie with a little Cool Whip on top. You couldn't deny him. It didn't matter what you're doing, what you're currently a process of participating in, what your commitments were to your family, your friends, or even your own business. If a Roman soldier came up to you and says, carry my stuff for a mile, you were obligated to do it for one mile. And this was Jesus' teaching. He says, don't let him take a mile, give him two. He can demand one from you, but when you give an extra, something different happens. When you offer something more, and this is what I believe that Jesus is showing us in this story, is that no one can take what you give freely. And, and so when we think about giving, I think sometimes we think about, well, I better do that, or I ought to do that, or God's word says I have to do that. And we take an obligatory perspective. Like, I have to do this. It's the duty of being a Christian. It's the duty of being in church. Or, the, man, I, I want to get to a bigger building. I can, I can see our kids' spaces, and so I better give so we can get to that. And we can often take an obligatory, a duty type, even, even, even in obedience, we could take this perspective, and all of a sudden, we're not giving freely. We're giving because we've been coerced, or we're giving because we feel a pressure, or we feel a duty. And Jesus is saying, don't give what they ask one mile. In fact, if they ask for one mile and you give it, you really didn't give it because it's demanded of you. But if you give the extra, now they didn't demand anything of you. Now when they said, give me one and you give them two, now you're the authority. Because you're doing more than what's been requested. And this is a spirit, I believe, of Christians. This is a spirit of believers is that we're the kind of people who give more than most. And I think this gives us another perspective is that I, I grew up in church and hearing hear them say things and phrases like this. Uh, uh, pastors take offerings. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's time to take the offering. Have you ever heard that phrase? Come on, show me uh, your hands. Some of you are Baptists. I know you like to vote in here. You raise your hands and things. I, who's the second? Anyone got a second? Okay. <laughs> so, so you've heard that statement, pastors take an offering. I, I, I would argue with that. Pastors don't take offerings. The doors are open. You can walk out. There's no ushers right now waiting to hold the doors. In fact, my pastor growing up used to make a, make a joke. It's like, it's time to take an offering and we're raising money for some missions thing or something. He'd say, ushers, get to the doors. <laughs> We've got to hold them in until we all give, right? But that perspective, it, I know it's just a phrase, and to you maybe tomatoes, tomatoes, but I don't think it's, it is. I, in fact, I don't think we take offerings. I think we bring offerings. Like, we don't, we're not, God is not up there saying, give me what you got or I'm not going to give you salvation. Salvation is a free gift regardless of what you ever give. Uh, this is how good our God is, is. There's no obligation to his gifts. There's no obligation to the greatest gift, Jesus. He gave it. In fact, Romans tells us this, that while we were still sinners, he sent his son Jesus to the cross. He didn't wait for a better version of us. He took us how we are, and he gave us his free gift. And so this is why we don't say we take an offering, we bring an offering. We don't take tithes, we bring our tithes. Because this is the posture we have. This is yours, God. We give more than most. Giving our tithes and offerings. Giving our times and our talents. When was the last time that you brought your tithe and you, you prayed over it and you said, God, this is yours. I bring it back to you. 
God, would you bless this? God, would you multiply? When was the last time you asked God, God, would you speak to me on what I should give above what your word commanded? God, I want everything I have to be yours. My life, my feet, my hands, my words, my actions, and the things in my pocket too. God, my kids, they're yours. God, how can I steward those better? God, my business, it's yours. How can I steward that better? And I believe when we're called as believers, we're called to be a more than most kind of people. We don't look at God and say, well, this is yours and the rest is mine. We look at our lives and say, God, all of it's yours. In fact, the word tells us that every good gift comes from the Father. So every good thing in my life is his first. And so it's an honor and a privilege to be generous back to him. And Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Why do we tithe to the local church? Because we understand that the local church is a feeding center to a hungry world. We, we bring the tithe to the church because we recognize that the call that God has for this church is that this would be a place that people could come and receive nourishment for their soul. That people could come and that their marriages are struggling and in a, in a conflict they could come and they can find restoration and healing. That when people would come and be sick in their body, they could find people who are willing to pray bold, faithful prayers and say, God, would you do something miraculous? That people, they're struggling with their parenting, not sure to do with the, what to do with their kids. They say, well, at least I get an hour where they're getting God's word over there and maybe some people to walk alongside me in our small group to, to walk through these challenging moments as a parent. Like our church is supposed to be a feeding center for a hungry world. And this is why we give more than most. Here's a second thought for us this morning. I believe that God has called us to serve more than most. We serve more than most. Okay, everyone do this. I'm going to have you do four postures. I've got four points. I've got four postures for you this morning. Everyone make a couple fists like this. You're not going to get in a fight. That's not what's coming up next. Not like this, right? Okay, just like this. Here's the idea. God, these hands are yours. We will work hard. We are gritty. We will move heaven and earth. We will do whatever you called us to do. We will serve more than most. These hands are made for working. And God, we want to serve with you. In fact, we're going to dig some ground. We're going to build some walls just right down the road here in just a little bit because we serve more than most. Put your hands down. Colossians chapter 3 says this. Whatever you do, I love the way that Paul says this here. He says, work heartily. When I think of the word heartily, I think of soup, right? Some soup with some potatoes and some steak in it. And maybe some carrots. I think of a hearty soup. I'm not talking about some thin chicken and noodle soup out of a can. I'm talking about the way your mom or your grandma made that thick, hearty soup. I've had soup, and I've eaten it, and I've still been hungry. And then I've had soup, and I need to take a nap. That's the kind of soup I'm talking about right here. That hearty soup. And I love the way that Paul says this. Work heartily. What does he mean? With a fullness, with a, with a, with a grit. It has a, has a certain posture to it. I'm going to give it everything I have. And he says, who? As for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You know when you show up and you serve at church, you stack some chairs or you... Maybe you're changing a diaper, you're teaching a kid's lesson, and maybe you're playing an instrument, or maybe you're putting out some cones, and you're driving the golf carts. How many guys are grateful for the golf cart guys on cold days like today? Come on. I think you guys, some guys are out there. That we think we're doing that for other people. Paul says you're not. Although other people are the beneficiary of it, when we do things like that, first and foremost, that's to honor God. 
And that, that's why we can serve more than most. And I, I had a, a friend, his name is Andy Christman. He's a worship leader at, at Church on the Move. And he's from a, a band you may have listened to called For Him. And I've gotten a chance to know him a lot over the years. And we were talking about worship and worship ministry. And, 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 that, and, and he said, John, I want to challenge you. And this is why I was a worship leader. He said, you need to get your team to do something more than serve on the platform. I said, okay, well, like, what do you have in mind? He's like, you got to take them somewhere where no one will applause what they do. And I, I, I never considered this, but, and I'm not down it on our worship leaders. I love worship leaders. I love music. I, lo- I love what these guys do. And you guys got a great team. You got some great leaders here. But there was something he said that struck my soul and I never considered. That as long as everything that you do has an applause to it, it may not be serving. In fact, it may be self-serving. If you're not careful, it can even become self-promoting. There's something about being in the lights, if you're not careful, that you can forget what it's like to actually serve with some grit. Because this is shiny, and it's pretty, and it's awesome. And I'm not dogging these guys. I love these guys because I, I, I'm, I'm in the lights a lot. But I'm, I'm telling you this, like, we got to find places where no one says thank you. In fact, this is why we love our kids' volunteers. You know, when you, when you do something for a kid, I don't know if you know this or not, but kids don't say thanks for nothing. <laughs> I brought my kids to, to McDonald's the other day. They said, Dad, can we go to McDonald's? Dad, can we go to McDonald's? Like, no, we got food at home. They're like, yeah, but mom's not home. I was like, that's true. She won't know. Let's go to McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's, and we're driving home, and I'm like, <clears throat> and they're like, what, Dad? Like, do you need to stop? I was like, no, I don't need to stop. I was like, you guys have anything to say? And my four-year-old son in the back, five-year-old son now, in the back, he goes, he goes, the burger's good, Dad. <laughs> It's like, that's not what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, my nine-year-old daughter, she gets it. She's like, oh, 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 thank, thank you, Dad. You know, like a girl does. You know, like, I, I understand, Dad. And then one by one, the car, thanks, Dad. Thanks, you know, thanks, thanks for the burger. You know, uh, kids don't naturally say thanks for anything. This is why, man, I think uh, if you want to serve the Lord, serving kids. Uh, that's a great place to serve the Lord because there's no one out there saying thank you. In fact, most of you guys are glad to dump your kids off for one hour. You're like, finally, date day. Um, it's in church. We're getting some free snacks out there. This is like the best date of the week right here. But there's some opportunities, I believe, that we can do and we can serve in places that aren't self-serving, aren't self-promoting, that we do things out of the limelight, out of the gratitude of others. Why? Because serving others serves the Lord. And I'd say this, serving is doing the things that no one sees and no one else does as unto the Lord. That's what serving is. It's doing the things that no one sees and no one else does as unto the Lord. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever it is, do it with all your might. You know what? Every piece of trash in a parking lot, that's not the parking's team. That's my trash. Every chair in this auditorium, it's not the guest services or the hospitality team to come and straighten it. That's my chair. You know, every golf cart, it's not the church's golf cart. It's not the parking. It's my golf cart. Those kids out there, they're not the kids team, it's mine. Yeah, we have areas, we have giftings, we have serving. But this is, I think, the heart of a church. The heart of a church says we're going to serve more than most. I'm not waiting for someone else to do something. If I see something that needs to be done, I'm willing to do it because this is my church. And this is what I recognize is my church is my responsibility. And if we get that, then we can start to to step into the idea and what I believe God is calling us to, which is our city is our responsibility. But it starts right here. And we're a, we serve more than most kind of church. Third thought for us this morning. We love more than most. We love more than most. Everyone take your arms, just cross them over your chest like this. All across the room today. 
We are a caring body. We genuinely care for people. When others are grieving, we cry too. When others are down, we lend a hand. When others have wounds, we bring ointment and cloth. We see people and we love them. We see them where they are and we respond with compassion. We love more than most. You put your hands down. Matthew 5, going back there today. We read this verse a minute ago, Matthew 5, 44. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's two very difficult things. Love your enemies. That's hard enough to love people who have done harm to you, to, to be kind or think kind thoughts towards people who have been ill towards you. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend. I, I don't know who it is, but it says, Jesus says, I want to challenge you to love them. But he doesn't stop there. He goes further, which I think is even more difficult. He says, pray for them. He says, so don't just have a thought of kindness towards them. You need to declare kindness out of your mouth towards them. It's one thing to say, I love everybody, but then grumble about the people who've hurt you. It's another thing to say, I love everyone, and then speak good will towards all mankind. It's one thing to, to do that. It's not just what happens in our heart, but this is what Jesus is saying to us. Our love is not just something that we do in our heart. It's not just something we do in our chest. It's not just something we do in our minds, but our love is something that comes out of our mouths. I, I, I want to challenge us as a church is to not just be a, a church who, who does love people, but a church who says loving things, kind things, uh, kind things. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How are they going to know? If we love one another. So if we're, if we're Christians and we're called to, to live a life that goes beyond the status quo, to be a more than most kind of people, this is what Jesus says, the way that people are going to know that you're a disciple, the way that they're going to know that you're a Christian is not by just the words you say, not by just the feelings you have, but I believe it's by the actions. They're going to see the way that you treat people. They're going to see the way that you love people. And when they see that, they're going to recognize that. And I believe what, what Christ is calling us to do is to be marked by love and to be known by love. We're called to love more than most. And this one's so difficult. In fact, I would say this one is not just a choice that you make. I think this one's a journey that you take. It's not just a matter of, you can't just come in here today and say, I'm going to choose to love more. For a lot of us, we've got pain. We've got scars. Your boss is a jerk. <laughs> and I hope you, I'm not talking about Jacob if you work here. I'm talking about somewhere else. <laughs> Jacob's awesome. If you work here, that's not the right illustration for you. But some of you have real life painful, hurtful situations that are difficult. And, and so it's not, I, I'm saying these words and you're like, I can take notes, you can write it down. But you know right now that's more difficult than just a note you took on a piece of paper. And this is why I don't think it's just a choice that we make today. In fact, I think it's a path, it's a journey that we take. If we're going to be a people that love more than most, it's going to start by our thoughts and then it's going to come out of our words and it's going to turn into our actions. It's going to turn into an embrace. Uh, love, we love more than most. Here's the fourth and last thought for us this morning. We lean in more than most. We lean in more than most. So everyone on your, on your tush, you're sitting on your bottom right now, scoot to the edge of your chair a little bit, lean in towards the front here. This is, we're taking a posture of leaning in here. Just lean in, and we don't come to church to be entertained. 
That's not why we're here. We don't come to church to hear something good or just helpful or hopeful. We come to meet with Jesus. We come to worship. We're not just checking off some spiritual to-do list. We are here to hear the word of God preached and respond. That's why we're leaning in. We don't come to be coddled. We're here to be challenged. We love God's word. We worship God out loud. We take notes. We pray passionately. And we lean in more than most. Okay, you can get comfortable again. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. And all the church said amen. amen. But let's not stop reading. <laughs> It says it's profitable for teaching. That's the part we love. But it's also profitable. The word of God being taught is profitable for reproof, for correction, and for training and righteousness. We've got to lean into Scripture, even the ones that are hard. Like we aren't just here for those couple messages a year that make us feel like we can conquer the world. We're also here for those couple messages a year that make us walk out going like, oh, a little uncomfortable. I got something I got to work on. Now my wife knows that's in the Bible. <laughs> I got to fix that now. It's not just a good idea. It's God's word. I got to fix that at home. I, I got I to gotta work on my language. I got to work on my tongue. I got to work on my actions. I got to be generous. All these different things that sometimes can be uncomfortable. But we lean into scripture not just for good teaching, not for just the stuff that makes us feel good like a hug, but also the stuff that's there for reproof and correction. We lean in to the teaching of scripture. 1 Timothy 4.13, it says, until I come... Devote yourselves to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. So we don't just lean into Scripture, but we lean into preaching. Uh, what do we do with this? It says, devote yourselves to the public teaching. We come to church on Sundays. And when we come to church on Sundays, we show up, we're ready to be taught the Word of God, and we were ready to be taught. How do we, how do we show that? We show it by bringing our Bibles. We lean in. We're not just here waiting for the scriptures on the screen. We're bringing our Bibles. We're going to take notes. If, if your Bible doesn't have some marks in it or have some bent pages in it, if it's not folded up a little bit, keep bringing it. It'll get there. That's the goal of every believer is to need a new Bible, not just have to find a new Bible because you lost one. We want to be a church that, that comes ready to be taught the Word of God, that comes in ready to take notes, that comes in ready to, to engage in Scripture, to respond to the message and respond to God's Word. In John 4, 23. Jesus says, but the hour is coming, it is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. I believe another way that we lean in more than most is we lean into worship. I believe that when we come to church, we're not just waiting for that song that we like on the radio. But we come in and maybe a song you don't know but while you're sitting there in your seat, you can look up, you can read the lyrics and go, I may not know the song, but I know the God they're singing about, and I can engage with that. One of my favorite people in, in the whole world is a couple named Joe and Bernice Carter, and I've gone to church with them for like 30 years. Joe is, and Bernice are probably in their 80s now, and uh, he was in the Navy, and he's a little bitty man, little bitty posture guy, but uh, he would always come up to me after Sundays when I was a worship leader, and he would Say, hey, John, brother, he called me Brother John. I was like, I, I'm like my grandson, John, but okay, I'll take it. How many, how many of you guys know some Brother Johns or some sister so-and-so, some brother? And so that's how, that's how I, I grew up a little bit, a little brother so-and-so. He says, Brother John, the worship was great today. I was like, I know Joe didn't like what we sang. Like, I, I know for a fact it was a little too loud, 
and I was wearing jeans on stage, and I came from a church that we had suits and ties for a while, and we had the, the, the palm tree, the fern gully up here on stage. I mean, there's every fake plant at home at Hobby Lobby was on our stage. You can, if you want to know what Hobby Lobby had, come to, come to our church. You can take a pick through all the different trees. And we had all this purple carpet and all this stuff, and, but I was in charge of, I was one of the guys who I was, I was asked to, to help us reach young families. And so that meant the worship style started changing and the worship songs started changing. And I was the young guy up front and I was the face of change, which is not always a good thing. And I remember every Sunday just about one or two or ten people would come up and just, just rip me to pieces. I can't, that, drums was so, that drummer was so loud. We had this one guy who'd come up and he'd grab at, at me every week and he'd say, man, that drummer's so loud. And I know, I know drums. I said, really? He said, yeah, I was in the ROT drum line at my school in high school. And I was like, I don't know that that qualifies you to play drums up here, but that was his perspective. And he would just go on and on. But Joe and Bernice Carter, every Sunday just about, they would come up and they would find me. And they would hug me and they would say, John, we appreciate what you do. And Joe said this one, I'll never forget this. He looked me in the eye and he says, I, I, I don't know the song that you sang. I couldn't really sing it. The words were, were moving at a, a speed and a pace I couldn't jump into. He said, I'm used to singing out of a book, and you got the words on a screen. And he goes, but as I was sitting there and I was reading the words while y'all were singing them, I realized it's the same as this song that I used to sing. Same idea, same theology, same thoughts. He goes, and this is what I recognized. I looked across the room, and I saw my grandkids, and they were belting it out. They had their hands up in the air, and they were worshiping. He goes, and I couldn't sing a word with you. I didn't, I, he said, but this is what I did. When I saw that, I recognized this is the same. It's the same God. It's the same song. These are the same lyrics. It's the same band that we've always had because we're all one in Christ. And he said, I looked over there and I saw my grandkids' hands in the air and I just did this too. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship him even if I can't sing the songs because I can read the lyrics and I recognize those words are the same words I used to sing, just a little different. And I love Joe because he was in one voice that kept encouraging me. But Joe got the picture. He realized that we weren't just a church of yesterday, that we were also called to be a church of today, and we're also called to be a church of tomorrow. And even though our methods were shifting and changing, the, the mission of God was the same, is that we're trying to fill churches with people and see people get saved and see people get baptized, and not just a few people, more people. More and more people. And if we're going to do that, we have to be a more than most kind of people. We have to be a more than most kind of church. And I, I love Joe and his heart, and he really, he really saved me in ministry because as it was very tough, he was the guy that was in my corner cheering me on. In closing, I, I, I was thinking about this more than most idea, and immediately I thought of a story of my son. And my son, he's 16 now, but about to be 17, but when he was 8 years old, he was in Kuksul Wan. It's Korean martial arts, and he was doing a test, and he had to break some boards, and he had, they give you so many tries to do it, and it was like, kick him up high, spin, and sweep, and kick him down low, and he tried three times, and he got the ones up top, but he couldn't get the ones down below, and so Mike is a guy, he says, hey, I need you to pause, and you can get one more chance at this, Jaden, and they're pretty strict, like, you just get a certain number of tries, and you got to move on, he's got one more chance, he goes, but before you do it, I want you to say something after me, he's like, okay, so he said, Jaden, face me, and and I'm a dad, and I'm behind the glass, and I, I, I can see what he's doing, and I can hear what he's doing, but I can't help. In fact, I don't even know what the moves are called. I can't even bend down that far anymore. I just, so I'm watching all this, and I, like, I'm cheering him on, and I want him to do it 
but I don't have any control over it. But Master Mike, he looks at him, he says, Jaden, I want you to say this. He goes, put your hands to the side and look me in the face. And Jaden does this. He goes, say this. He goes, I can do more than I think I can, sir. And Jaden goes, I can do more than I think I can, sir. He says, say it again. I can do more than I think I can, sir. A little bit louder. I can do more than I think I can, sir. He says, say it again and say it again and say it again. And so Jaden just got on this cadence. He goes, I can do more than I think I can, sir. I can do more than I think I can, sir. I can do more than I think I can, sir. And he said it like five times. I was like, let's go. He's like, now get down there and break that board. He jumped down there, swooped, snapped the board in half. And I think we got a picture. This is him holding that board right there. He cracked it in half. I, and I remember as a dad on the other side of the glass, like I've got tears going down my face because my boy did something he didn't think he could do, that he wasn't sure. But someone believed in him a little bit. Someone challenged him a little bit. And all of a sudden, he did more than what he thought. He did more than what he knew he was capable. And I think this is a picture, church, of us today. That God is behind the glass in heavens. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a mission. He's calling us to do more. And it may feel like it's more than what you can do. It may, he may be asking you to step out in a way that you're not sure you can do or serve in a way that, man, I'm not sure I can do or, or, or maybe give in a way that you're like, man, that's sacrificial. God, if I do that, I'm not sure. God may be calling you to be a more than most kind of believer, but he's not leaving you ill-equipped. The Spirit of God, Christ in you, just like Mary Poppins with the bag, you might be just a bag, but with Christ in you, that there's more that you're capable of. And I believe that there's more that this church is capable of, that this is just the beginning, this is not the end, that there's more that God wants to do in you, that He wants to do through you. You may have some limitations, you might be just a bag. But through the power of Christ in you, you can do more than you think you can. God, we love you. We thank you. Lord, help us to be a more than most kind of church. Help us to give more than most. Help us to serve more than most. Help us to love more than most. And God, I pray that you would help us to lean in more than most. God, I believe you're looking down from the heavens just like I was looking at my son. And you're cheering us on going, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Would you believe Will you take this step of faith? There's more. God, you're a more than able kind of God. And I believe that you've called us to be a more than most kind of people. In Jesus' name.